at me. Their hospitality is overwhelming. Their spinach is succulent and soaks up their garlic and freshly churned butter. And yet, I yearn to take to the air, to soar across the globe, to land at the corner of 173rd Street and Vice, where she is waiting for me. My Park Avenue psychoanalyst, Dr. Levine, has almost disabused me of the idea that I can fly. Let's keep our feet on the ground, he likes to say. Let's stick to what's actually possible. Wise words, doctor, but maybe you're not quite hearing me. I don't think I can fly like a graceful bird or like a rich American superhero. I think I can fly the way I do everything else, in fits and starts, with gravity constantly trying to thrash me against the narrow black band of the horizon with sharp rocks scraping against my tits and stomachs, with rivers filling my mouth with mossy water and deserts plying my pockets with sand, with every hard-won ascent brokered by the possibility of a sharp fall into nothingness. I'm doing it now, doctor. I'm soaring away from the ancient rabbi clinging warmly to the collar of my tracksuit, over the village's leafy vegetables and pre-roasted lambs, over the green-dappled overhang of two colliding mountain ranges that keep the prehistoric mountain Jews safe from the distressing Muslims and Christians around them, over flattened Chechnya and pockmarked Sarajevo, over hydroelectric dams and the empty spirit world, over Europe, that gorgeous polis on the hill, a blue starry flag atop its fortress walls, over the frozen deadly calm of the Atlantic, which would like nothing better than to drown me once and for all, over and over and over, and finally toward and toward and toward, toward the tip of the slender island. I am flying northward toward the woman of my dreams. I'm staying close to the ground, just like you said, doctor. I'm trying to make out individual shapes and places. I'm trying to piece my life together. Now I can spot the Pakistani place on Church Street, where I cleaned out the entire kitchen, drowning myself in ginger and sour mangoes, spicy lentils and cauliflower, as the gathered taxi drivers cheered me along, broadcasting news of my gluttony to their relatives in Lahore. Now I am over the little skyline that has gathered to the east of Madison Park, the kilometer-high replica of St. Mark's Campanile in Venice the golden tip of the New York Life Building. These stone symphonies, these modernist arrangements the Americans must have carved out from rocks the size of moons, these last stabs at godless immortality. Now I am above the clinic on 24th Street, where a social worker once told me I had tested negative for HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, forcing me into the bathroom to cry guiltily over the skinny, beautiful boys whose scared glances I had deflected in the waiting room. Now I am over the dense greenery of Central Park, tracing the shadows cast by young matrons walking their bite-sized oriental dogs toward the communal redemption of the Great Lawn. The murky Harlem River flies past me. I skirt the silvery top of the slowly chugging IRT train and continue northeast, my body tired and limp begging for groundfall. I am over the South Bronx now, 
no longer sure if I am soaring or hitting the tarmac at Olympic speed. My girlfriend's world reaches out and envelops me. I am privy to the relentless truths of Tremont Avenue, where, according to the graceful loop of graffito, Bebo always loves Lara, where the neon storefront of Brave Fried Chicken begs me to sample its greasy sweet aromas, where the Adonai Beauty Salon threatens to take my limp curly hairdo and turn it upward, set it aflame like Liberty's orange torch. I pass like a fat beam of light through dollar stores selling t-shirts from the 80s and fake rock-aware sweatpants, through the brown hulks of housing projects warning, Operation Clean Halls, and Trespassers Subject to Arrest, over the heads of boys in gang bandanas and hairnets, jousting with one another astride their monster bikes, over the three-year-old Dominican girls.